they're hearing is, is like 10 times what we can hear, so they can pick up the sound of a mouse at 200 meters away. Welcome to Nature Magic. Today I'm talking to John Carrick. John set up the Barn Owl Project in January 2019 to help with the conservation of barn owls in Ireland. John is a published wildlife photographer and has been involved in wildlife conservation and rescue for many years. The project team consists of a number of wildlife experts covering conservation, rescue and rehabilitation of barn owls in Ireland. It was fascinating talking to John and I hope everyone goes onto Facebook and follows the project. Apologies for missing our uploading schedule for the first time in 50 episodes because of that tricky little molecule in a protein coat, COVID. And also sorry for the big cough in the middle, which I couldn't take out as it overlapped with John speaking. Hi John, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. What led you to start the Barn Owl Project? Hi Maria, thanks. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on. Um, yeah, I suppose, look, I'm a long time, like like a lot of Irish people really, a long time, uh, I suppose, lover of wildlife and stuff. Um, you know, probably been involved with wildlife for, well, wildlife rescue for about 20 years, um, on and off, you know, I, I, I'd get people ringing me from, I'm originally from a um, small town in, in East Gower, Vanislaw, and people would ring me and come to me with, uh, when they find wildlife and stuff. And it just progressed on from there. I'd done a little bit um, of wildlife rescue in England. And, um, you know, it, I wouldn't have been immersed in it, but anytime a call came in for help, I'd I'd be there, particularly for things that bite. I always seem <laughs> to get a phone call for stuff or tricky things where you'd have to jump over a wall or climb a tree or, <laughs> you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. So okay. I was kind of like the, so yeah, angry, the, angry injured animals. Yeah, that would be it. Like, you know, I've, I suppose badgers, otters, yes. foxes, uh, yeah. stuff like that. You know, um, I'd get the phone call from people and uh, I kind of help out. And generally all I would do is go, um, you know, like uh, catch the animal or pick it up and deliver it to people, uh, you know, that would be involved in rehabbing and stuff. People that are more qualified than I am. Uh, very rare I'd hold on to, hold on it to, to, to anything uh, like that. So I suppose that's kind of how we got involved. And I suppose in the, in the last 20 years, I, I would have backed off it a bit with, you know, your life gets in the way of a family and stuff. Um, and I kind of got back in, I'd still, I still would have been at the, 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 the kind of wildlife rescue, but, uh, I always wanted to do a little bit more. So I think I was involved in, in I had done um, photography course 20 odd years ago. A friend of mine kind of got, got me onto it. And then eventually I kind of got back into it maybe about four or five years ago and decided they were all going off taking pictures in the camera club of people and, you know, like taking pictures of landscapes and stuff. And I kind of said, like, I just don't have an interest in this. And I what I decided was I wanted to take picture pictures of rare and beautiful animals that people normally wouldn't get to see. So, and, and then eventually one day I took a picture of a Perricum falcon and, um, I remember meeting and having a conversation with with, with another guy, uh, Dr. Barry O'Donoghue, National Parks and Wildlife, who I've been good friends with. And um, it turned out there was a little bit of, we, we could say, persecution going on with those Perricum Falcons. So I, I got involved heavily there with, um, I suppose, protecting sites. And it ended up that I ended up spending three years studying the Perricum Falcons. And uh, I had um worked with parks wildlife with the licensing unit we had um like live cameras on the on the nest sites um, is that up been... around the burn the peregrine no. is one of my favorite animals as well Mulberts. yeah no that wouldn't have been up around the burn um it, it would have been particularly in the west of ireland uh, galway and uh, mayo and places like that so i was probably uh, at one stage 
I mean, it, it was take consuming me. It just gets that way. It was like 35 hours a week. Um, like every kind of given moment I had, I wanted to go there and make sure it, it just, you know, you'd get a phone call from the landowner telling you there was some guy on the land and you were, yeah. it, it just got there because I had discovered stuff that happened on the site and birds had been killed and it wasn't reported. And like, it was just, it, it, it got in my head where I just felt this and that happens to people. It's, it's, you, you get this mm. sense of ownership um, and you get involved. And uh, I ended up doing that for three years where wow. I had the live cameras there. I was monitoring the sites um, I was working with, uh, you know, the, the footage being used in schools or, you know, like I had given on footage to the different groups to, to be used under license so that they could kind of educate people on what was going on in Ireland. And um, there's a lot of persecution going on. People don't, it's, it's not publicised. And, mm. and in that case, you hear, that was you one hear of about it up around Kalini, there's foot peregrine falcons there and they've been trying to protect. Yeah. There's a nest you can practically see from the path. And yeah, yeah. they've had awful trouble up there. But yeah. thank it, you it for doing that work for the peregrine falcon. Yeah, no, like I really, look, I, I like really enjoyed it. I had, uh, I was going under the pseudonym at the time of Ireland's wild life photographer um and and like you know i i wouldn't have i suppose i enjoy doing it every time i seen something new it was you know so the amount of like i have what six seven thousand uh clips of of footage uh, that i and do, review you, after do you have that. a website um not for that for for not for that particular stuff i just yeah. what i would used to do was i'd post all my findings and stuff on ireland's wildlife uh photographer on instagram to let kind of people see what was going on i was trying okay. to instill a little bit of care and love and you know and, and yeah. it's like everything else you put up a picture of a perkin falcon and, and someone is going to target you and you i off like i found that as well there's there's always people that think that that the Perkin Falcon is doing something wrong, the same as the buzzer's doing something wrong. And um, unfortunately, that's just these people mm. try, you try to educate. Yeah, it's, them, it's about fostering a love for the animal and also yeah. education that we need the, the animal at the top of the food chain. And we'll talk about the Barn Owl Project in a minute, which is yeah. really exciting. But just um, <laughs> it reminded me when you spoke about the angry rescued animals. Well, they're obviously not, they're <laughs> fearful. But yeah. um, a local vet called us a good few years ago and said, um, we've got this badger, she was run over, and she's clearly got brain damage, we can't release her into the wild, she's really quiet, she's in this farmer's kitchen, she's drinking milk and everything, um, will you look into getting a license to put up some kind of an enclosure for her to look after her? And mm. I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, if she can't be released, we'll look into that, and I was trying to get the paperwork organised, and then I rang her back, um, like, a couple of weeks later, I said, you know, How's the badger getting on? And she's like, oh, well, she recovered her senses and got very angry and we let her go. Mm. <laughs> so she yeah. had got, she'd had a bang on the head. She recovered from concussion and she was fine. And she's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things. Like, look, the, I suppose it depends on really what, what we're talking about, like foxes and, and badgers and, and stuff like that. You know, it, it really depends on what's wrong with them, but they can recover very fast. Uh, I find with the like a lot of the rescues the rescues i enjoy the most definitely would be birds of prey like it's you know it's just something i've over the years got into but i suppose the problem with birds of prey is that, like it's one out of every 10 you get back um and like we have we you know it's it's an unfortunate situation so last week with with susan and battery rehabilitation ireland who looks after all and bev who looks after all of our um rehabilitation work i suppose like we would have one of our volunteers um amazing woman like drove from dublin picked up a barn out in tipperary drove to tipper tipperary or drove to yeah it was tip and she met uh, susan in tip town and like i think she probably had about six or seven hours on the road to pick that barn out up and it, it had to be able to sleep in the end so 
I mean, it had a, a, a compound fracture, multiple compound fractures of its wing um, and stuff. So there's different, varying different opinions, I suppose, on what should happen if something comes in. It could still yeah, have a level it's, of... It's a, it's a very difficult decision. It is a for difficult... A, it is. Yeah, yeah. But, so... Um, so how did the Barnell project um, start? And can you tell yeah, us so, a little bit about that? Yeah, so I suppose uh, I had been, uh, with all my time out in, we call it the wilderness, I suppose, like uh, as a kid. And, and um, I mean, my dad was a great outdoors man and literally spent, it's not like today, we spent every given minute. I remember coming home from places and he'd have to carry me. I'd be so tired. Um, so he's a great uh, outdoors man. And I, I'd never seen an old never ever seen an owl you know and, um so i remember it must have been about six years seven years ago um my dad had, had told me that an, a neighbor of mine had said there was an owl on his property and um i remember going up there at night and hearing the young calling and i i the same as the peregrine falcon i every chance i got i was down there having a look and you know people might find it odd there's a 34 35 year old man sitting in a field two o'clock in the morning listening to these owls but it was something that fascinated me i'd never seen you know like most people in Ireland on the late late show um so then uh I kind of had come to my the conclusion I'd all I could do I suppose with the, with the, the Perkin Falcons I was in I was studying at the time and um I kind of sat back and I was wondering could I come up with a project that would make a difference and I didn't really care at the time what the project was going to be whether it be Perkin Falcons, Kestrels, Barnells but uh, I looked into everything and I, I kind of came to the realization i suppose that you can do very little for a peregrine falcon they tend to give you the middle feather when you try to help them they, they, they have their own way of of living and um the next thing to me would have been the barn owl that i hadn't seen any like outside of that one that i had visited so i decided to kind of look into it and stuff so again i i would have contacted people like dr barry i don't know who some of my national parks and wildlife friends and had been asking questions and stuff um i would have got on to different bits and piece around the place and just after i'd done some research found out like they were, they were in a bad situation in ireland and i that uh th there was there was a kind of underlying want for me to do something so after researching i realized they're very open to nest boxes and i started looking at the main issues that were were affecting them like i suppose poison well i suppose starvation would be number one in ireland um you know like uh, i suppose poison to be major has a major impact on owls and all wildlife in ireland um, can you explain you know, like, to people about um why why it's so important not to put the poison down because i don't um, think people really understand the implications yeah i suppose people have this we we all have it like you know you see a mouse or a rat and you panic and you you have to get rid of it it's it's riddled in disease and in the truth be told it is no more disease than um any other animal like you know including the lovely barn owl like they're they're if you were to crawl through an attic space to try and return a young barn owl you'd understand i've done it like so many times you're filthy dirty coming out and they live in that so i suppose that what people see they see the mouse they panic they, they instantly go for the poisonous easy option and they, they'll put it down so that mouse then in, in in ireland the poison we use is anticoagulant um there's no real um there's guidelines there but for for the ordinary householders as well there, there's nothing there to kind of let you know what's going to happen so you put the poison down on average it takes four to five days for that mouse after he's eaten it to die um in the meantime that mouse could be anywhere and so normally they'll be out in the field to go off to die a barn owl or a kestrel it's, it would be the two uh, birds i suppose affected the most by it they'll pick it up and eat it and they get secondary poisoning so secondary poisoning depending on the level they get 
um, quite often won't kill the bird, but it it really affects their hunting ability. Um, you know, like brain function, all that kind of stuff is is affected by it. You know, like the the how your the blood can transport oxygen and all this stuff. So that's oh, horrible. Yeah. So like I suppose this year alone, we've been on six or seven sites where we can see the owls have have evidence of um, secondary poison. So I suppose to highlight the study done in the UK, we work very closely with David Ramsden and all his crew over there who have probably the foremost experts in Europe um, on barrows, if not the world. Um, in the UK, their estimation on after tests and, and all this different stuff that uh, 85% of the barn owl population have rodenticide in them. So we know per head of capita that our Irish people use more poison, uh, rat poison, than what's used in the UK. So we're well up on the 90 low 90s on poison in our barn owls. I think for like yeah yeah it's it's one of those things but it I would go further than that to say that um all predators in Ireland and I found out lately from from being on a a, a talk that uh your garden birds are showing signs of uh, secondary poison now and there's rodenticide being picked up so basically if you without your poison slugs insects everything will have a go at it uh and it's, it's right. it hits the bottom of the food chain right up to the top. Um, and that this would include, um, you'll hear, like we meet a lot of farmers and we'll mention poison and barn owls just don't go together. And the, 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 he will tell us straight away, like that, you know, board B uh, have checks on them and they have to have poison down. They have to have bait boxes um, or they're in a, in a scheme, a European, like maybe gloss scheme, something like that. They have to have poison down, but they're doing it and they're logging it and they're doing all these different, it doesn't matter. There is absolutely no safe way to use poison it's not mm. possible to use poison safely no matter what protocol you follow it's not possible um so w- what we find uh obviously you're finding barn owls dead uh but what we found like so last week when we went out to check a site uh, we have cameras under license on some sites that we noticed that the male owl hadn't moved much decided to go in and check and he was comatose on the site uh you know i could pick him up i could walk away with him he, he wasn't bothered and and that's typical of a sign of secondary poisoning um you know we called to the farmer farmer around the area and asked him one of them had started with no poison in the last couple of weeks and this was a sign of of what was happening there um we find that over when we're checking our nest box at the end of the year you'll find the barnals they should flush you're not you never try to flush a bird but like if they're in the box and you're going up to do a, some maintenance on the box and you touch that or off the box it should be gone instantly um and and in the, these cases you open up the box you you see that the, the owl is asleep or uh whatever so you, you know that there's, there's an issue there straight away and i think there was a study done by uh birdwatch ireland i think it was 2018 and there was whatever birds i i don't have the figures off the top of my head were handed up that were found dead on the roads so obviously it was a, a car or a truck or something like that but i think it was up in 85, 90% of those birds tested positive when they tested them for rodenticide. So that shows you where the figures are in Ireland. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of the time when you go into, um, you know, wildlife rehab experts, they'd often, even if you bring in a bird that's been hit by a car and you've seen it been hit by a car, a lot of the time they'll actually, te- they'll actually um, treat them for rodenticide bringing them in because they know it's in the system mm. you know um, um, we have to put um bait boxes around for you yeah. know, health and safety but we don't put the poison in um but they don't yeah. know that and then they look and say oh there's no poison oh yeah so it must be gone now yeah you know, we, uh, <laughs> so we have a map we, <laughs> we have bait boxes but we have yeah. nothing in the bait boxes we don't have a problem with them and um yeah. you know it's, it's about keeping holes um, records and closed uh, in, in in the buildings you know don't yeah, let them in yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, how many barn owls do you think there are in Ireland? 
Um, definitely, like, we don't really, there's no accurate count, but like, you're really, you know, I, w- I would say that we're, we're definitely probably pushing 1500 pairs at the minute right. easily. And I mean, like, so for instance, if I was to tell you before we started the project, even though I'm based in Galway, um, we, we work the project throughout the whole country. So we concentrate, me, myself, I concentrate in the West of Ireland. So like the Connacht down into Clare, um, down into parts of Westmead, place like that. But we have, we support other projects. So we would have been involved in setting up other projects throughout the country. And we support them initially by giving them maybe like, you know, 10 or 15 boxes when they get started, then to help them out, figure out how to get funding and um, all the other bits and pieces to go involved in how to connect with national parks, my life and that stuff. But I suppose for me, if I give you stats in Galway, so before I started the project in Galway, um, I believe they were aware of eight, maybe 10 nest sites. So our project after putting in work and um, finding natural sites and putting up nest boxes. So we're up to about 62 sites currently. That's amazing. Um, and and yeah, really so, by putting up a, a nest box, it just makes it easier for the barn owl to survive. Is that the Yeah. So I suppose they're natural. Yeah. They're natural sites would be um, like a crevice in an old tree or, you know, we, we very few of those in Ireland, but we still have, you know, the, 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 we don't know what the number is, I suppose, but I'm only aware of maybe like six that are in trees. So that's their natural site. We don't have big enough trees. And usually when a tree starts to rot or there's a hole in it, they'll cut it down. That's an issue. So that's natural site then, or a crevice in, you know, like in a rock face. Uh, I'm not aware of any of those, but so old castles, old houses, the house could be uh, with a roof or without a roof. They love old stone buildings. They'll be down the chimney. Anywhere you're going to get jackdaws, stuff nest, and they'll take the nest off them. Um, <laughs> old castles. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Old castles. Um, if you have a house, so I've often been driving down the road and you'd see an old house, one slate missing. Um, and I, you go banging on the door, you go nearest house and you say, do you mind if I have a check? And you go up and you'll often find them in the attic. So old buildings and stuff like that. They don't nest in barns um and stuff they, they hunt in barns so that like, that's kind of where they got the name they'll go into a okay. barn at night sit up there yeah so they just yeah. sit up in the barn at night and um they're hanging on waiting for uh like mice rats anything that'll move in there and that's where people see them the most um so if you put up a box in that barn then and the barn is extremely quiet um you can't emphasize that enough like we've had a lot of problems but people would request us to put up a box we go look and we'll think you know, they'll say it's extremely quiet. There's nobody here. We don't use it. And and you come back and find that like the female has left the eggs or something. And you right. talk to the farmer and find out that he's been in there taking hay out and he accidentally hit the, the forks okay. off so the can, side of the you shed. You can spook them quite easily. Um, yeah, yeah. So they, it, it just needs to be. Now, having said that, like we have a couple of cool sites. I mean, we had a man um, contacts down Limerick. Went down to have a look brand he had an old house. He put an extension on it and he'd stopped the extension because of COVID. And uh he sits out in his garden now at night watching the barn owls coming in and out of the new party built and uh-huh. him, his wife and his kids having their barbecue because the, those owls just tolerate that. And then we have yeah. another uh, uh, beautiful castle in, in East Galway um, where we had a gentleman said, you know, he, he's probably in his late 60s or 70s. He, he knew my grandparents. So he kind of came in and he said to me, he's like, yeah, I have barn owls here for 30 years, but I haven't seen them in two years. So I just took a camera on the ground pointing up and they're actually living in the castle with him. You know, like they're, they're, he goes in the door that he walks into the castle. He lives in the castle. And when he walks in the door of the castle, there's a little hole above it. And there's the owl looking out at him. can see him like when he's going <laughs> out. But he just had been there so long, 30 years. You know, it's not the same owl, but yeah. obviously families copy families. And, and they're 
they're just uh, they're they're not as afraid of of, of humor as people as as some of the owls, you know. Um, right. Then you get you know you you probably get the owls that are just will tolerate nothing. Like they don't want they don't want to be around people. They don't want to hear noise and stuff, and they don't even want to be around livestock. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, you know, but they will. They're very open to using the boxes, and I suppose the idea of of the box would be that um, you know they don't have enough uh, nest sites. Um, it's probably the third biggest problem. So habitat and nest sites. So we we kind of look for dead areas and try to get owls back into those areas by drawing them in. So we we I suppose the, the first thing we do when we're working in an area is to try and discover are there owls in the area. Um, so we put a lot of work into it, like you, sometimes months that you're tracking down, you're checking all the old buildings, you're talking to people. Then you go talk to the community to get buy-in from the community and see do people want to get involved at some level. Um, you're getting farmers involved so you can use the land. You're looking at um, what's going on in the area from a point of view, farming and use of rodenticide and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, after that, you, we put a plan together, whether it's putting up boxes or uh, the local community would set up their own group, which is more beneficial um to the area and then we advise and, and work with it with them after that and it's been very successful in, in in an awful lot of areas but uh there is a tendency for people i suppose <clears throat> if they think we found this at the very start we, we we don't charge for the boxes when we're putting them up but i suppose the problem we have is that um it's like anything else if you're getting something for nothing you'll get plenty of people that'll put their hand up and say they want it um and i suppose that's not really what we're looking for we want people to be involved um and to to i suppose help take, take responsibility in, for yeah, yeah 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 take responsibility it's very rewarding when you do it but um it's to get it it's to get it done and it's it, people think it's an awful lot of work it's some work it's mm. not an awful lot um i suppose so it's just a matter of driving on that way well i would love if you'd come to the borough nature sanctuary and see if we have suitable um places yeah. for yeah because we have <laughs> well it's organic and there's 50 yeah. acres so there's 25 of kind of rewilded um we have a lot of ash trees and unfortunately you know the ash dieback is yeah. going to hit them hard now but we're not going to take down any of the trees um yeah so we'll see what happens there but um yeah it'd be lovely to have a walk around i know i have seen pellets um but i i'm very afraid of all the local farmers with um i mean they poison foxes they poison everything yeah. so yeah, it's just have, really a lack of education. People think they're doing the right thing, protect the sheep. Yeah, well, I suppose people, know. you know, the, the like for us, I suppose, like I've never yet went onto a farm. So we have, uh, obviously, this was first to highlight, we have reports of barn owls in your area. So we, we haven't tracked them down. You know, we need to get out there and track them down. Um, right. uh, would have had Peter Butler onto us, who isn't a million miles away from me. I think he's the next town over. Um, but I suppose, I suppose to highlight, like I've been on, at this stage, thousands of farms all over the country. I mean, we've we've you know done work down in Waterford, Wexford, Wicklow. We've everywhere. We've up in Dublin, um, Tipperary, Limerick, all the places. But all the farmers I've ever called to, like I I don't ever recall one of them wants to figure out what I'm talking about. Um, you know, like saying they're not interested. So I suppose for for a farmer, the benefit is that I know there's not a big cost in poison. Um, but you're letting nature do the work. So one barn owl potentially uh, could be anywhere from, you know, I'd say thousand to twelve hundred uh, mice in a year. It really depends on on the on the owl and stuff like that. But so you're talking. We had one site last year. You'll see it on our Facebook page. Um, we put up the chicks. There was four chicks on that site, and the parents were back and forth 
every night on average between 30 and 40 times with prey items. Wow. So if you think about that for 10 weeks, what you're getting, you can calculate it out yourself, but you really, if you, the bigger the brood they have and, and that brood size is, is more likely dependent on um, like the, the quality of the land around them and, and how healthy the land is, what small mammals and stuff are there. Um, obviously in Ireland, we have the, the greater white tooth shrew at the minute, which is an invasive species. And, and that's been good news for barn owls. And it's probably um, a, a major killer, probably the biggest killer of barn owl starvation. Um, they can't hunt in the rain. They can't hunt in the wind. Wow. Um, so yeah, they're not that. waterproof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they, they, they need these silent nights. Now they overhunt on nights then, um, I don't know, they probably check their the weather app and say it's going to rain tomorrow. Yeah. And, but we find that the store, <laughs> exactly, yeah, they, store, they store a lot of, uh, they store a lot of food and stuff. And um, Do they store, like, they store actual, they have kind of a fridge yeah. there. For... Yeah, what we find is, so for instance, I'll give you an example of, of a project we've done. So there was, a, there was, there was a, I won't give details on it now because the site is kind of, um, kept secret but we we had a, a 600 acre site um kind of unique the woman that was there uh she, she's been working with us the whole time she's 93 uh wow. it was an old estate manor who her her grand to her grandparents and all this kind of stuff and they managed to hold on to the land because her dad was one of the, the good or grandfather or dad was one of the good guys he employed 10 people and he was very good to his tenants and um so they managed to retain it so she was one of the first women ever to work um for the eu in brussels so she's fairly like very intelligent person, but uh, she moved back to Ireland to take over the the, the house when her sister died. So it's kind of passed on through the family. But she had uh, Danny, who is is our soft release manager, um, had been talking to me about it, and she never she had seen a barn owl once for the first time. She got awfully excited that it was just passing through. It was a time of the year where a lot of barn owls are migratory. They're they're looking for their new territory, their juveniles, they're moving off and away from the parents, you know, so she didn't, and she was hoping it had stayed there, but we went around and checked and no sign. So she said it's in 93 years, the first time she ever seen a barn all around. So we went down and decided we'd do a project there. So we put up eight boxes. Um, we done soft release the next year then. So we had four barn owls that we had done soft release. They all came in injured and uh, we went through them all, had them veterinary checked, uh, got licensed. Uh, we camered out the site. We worked with people in the UK for best, best practice and we came up with a new kind of design on how to get these birds back make sure they're hunting and doing all this stuff so that was grand got them out uh, that year we had we had chicks born on the site first time um and um but every box on the site since that day the owls have been using it so they oh. tend to use multiple roost sites multiple you know um so multiple sites more... so one owl could be going into a couple of boxes yeah, it definitely would be. So, like, they have this. Uh, people ask are always asking, like, oh, I mean, how do you know if I put up a box? Because owls, if an owl passes by a cavity, it has to inspect it. It's just ingrained <laughs> in them. It's the same with uh, barn owls. Are probably one of the easiest to kind of hack out. As in, what I mean by hack out is to get back to the wild. Um, so, if you've had a bird that comes in that's injured and it's a juvenile and it has limited kind of hunting, you're not really phased by that. You're not just going to release it, but uh, the parents don't really teach them how to hunt. You know, the parents might bring back uh, like something alive to the nest um, and let it let, it'll be still bopping around the place. But that's about the limit, really. Uh, the parents don't. It's not like the Perican Balkan. I don't know if you've ever seen the way they train the young. They get the, the, the young to chase after them and um, to, to attack the prey and understand that they have to catch it. Where that doesn't happen with Barnolds. It's just ingrained in them. So we have Aaron, who is our um, Barnold ambassador. Um, something we were very hesitant to do but uh, after talking to people in the UK for school visits it's it's been a major impact so she lives with me and she's 
she's imprinted, so she was never a wild bird. She was never going to be released. So if we, okay. we didn't take her. I, I thought for she, a minute it might be your partner. Now, now realizing no, it's an no, owl. she's yeah. an owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, you're I never going to release her. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so she. Um, oh, how lovely, Erin. Yeah, so she yeah. she would be basically she she come into the house in the evening and um I go home. She has an Avery. She's in. She gets to fly around that, but she's asleep for like 16, 17 hours a day. Um, at night she becomes alive, maybe like just starts to get dark. So I'll go out and get her, bring her in, and she'll interact with the dog and the cat. She doesn't know different. She doesn't know like she's a bird. She thinks she's my other half. Aww. So she'll often sit down on the couch behind me and she'll be pulling at my beard, and I'll have to pretend I'm preening her. And it's oh, a bit one of these things. She goodness. gets a bit cranky if I don't. But but <laughs> if I roll a <laughs> if I we'll get back to the point here now. <laughs> if I roll a like a like a you know, a golf ball or something on the floor, she'll go after it and attack it. So it's right. just ingrained in them. She still knows. I would be fairly confident, like if 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 she got out, like she'd survive. Um, yeah. And I'm fairly sure that in her aviary, when there's mice and shrews coming in, because I found in her pellets stuff that I'm not feeding her. So I'm fairly sure that when, yeah. it, when a poor unfortunate mouse passes through her aviary, she's catching it and, and eating it as well. Yeah, um, I heard that they actually see um, infrared. When they're hunting, or how do they hunt? No, no. no. So they hunt. They hunt. Their eyesight would be a lot better than ours, but they don't use their 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 um uh, sight at all, really, for hunting anyway. So the 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 kind of night that suits them would be pitch black, dark night. Uh, you know, like with um little wind, no rain, and it sounds something. They're up God. and they'll fly across. You'll see them whirling around the sky and land straight down top. But they're here, and I'm not into the whole science side of it we're a hand a hands-on kind of project but the, the they've one ear their ear placement is one up high one down low and if you google that there's a name behind it it allows them to pinpoint like to the millimeter where the sound is coming from um fascinating but it, yeah so it's total sound it's it's there are several barn owls in in the uk and ireland that are out in the wild with one eye mm -hmm. um, and they have no, the sort of dished feathers on the face which helps catch yeah. sound yeah so yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of funnels the sound back into the, the ears. The ears are, if, if I show you barn owl ear, it's actually hole into the skull. So if you pull back the feathers, there's two holes, one up high and one down low. Um, um, and that's kind of, and as for the facial disc, then um, it's just to, to, to kind of push the sound in. Um, yeah, it's, it's like at Nelson, it's, the barn owl is the same, then it's, it's um, the female in the barn owl is a slight bit bigger than the male. Same with all birds of prey. Um, and then you have... Um, the difference in the color, uh, the, the female tends to have a lot of fleck on her chest, so little kind of dots on her chest, brownie dots and stuff, and the, the, the disc that goes around her face tends to be a little bit darker, and the male is is um, totally kind of, you know, he's white. Now, the odd male tries to fool you a little bit, he'll get some fleck there, but not a lot, um, and I suppose that's kind of that. I suppose another thing I would highlight that people wouldn't realize and this goes for all birds of prey, like um, including the ones that are being barn owls generally wouldn't be persecuted the way some some birds are in Ireland. But um, I would highlight that it's difficult enough for these animals without human intervention. So if you take the barn owl site I've spoken about already um, in, in, in Galway, where we had the four chicks and we had the camera on it, like before those died and they all got to fledge in the site. And they all died and they all died within a week of each other. So what would have happened there is the and, and this goes for all birds of prey like you know even the perkin falcons i was studying what happens 85 percent of all birds of prey die for christmas on the first year and that's for multiple reasons so, like you could say like 
is this it's that's natural selection it's not it's uh, like some of those get if you think about it this way like i suppose we're interfering with the food we're interfering with their habitat we've got trucks we've got roads we've got poison there's there's a lot of things that you could take out of the equation so maybe it should be that 85% should be down to 50%. Mm. I mean, if, if everything survived, you'd have birds of prey flying around everywhere. But in that case, those all those birds fledged on a night that it, rain, it rained heavily and there was wind. We got phone calls over the next couple of weeks that they were found in fields and stuff. And, you know, they, they obviously, had, they all died in around the one night, but one of them came back to the site. We had watched it on the camera and um unfortunately when i went to move the camera and, and clean up the site um, it was one of those sites that needed to be modified for, to protect the birds um as soon as i went in i found him dead beside the camera and that oh. would have been starvation in his in his part so the birds of prey in general don't need our help mm. it's 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 a very steep learning curve um for so all many birds hazards. Of prey. so many hazards exactly yeah, yeah 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 so but i think what you're doing is just a wonderful job um educating people and it, it's such a catchy project you know the barn yeah. project and of course all the other birds of prey can hopefully come onto the wing of that as well when people get interested in one animal you know they yeah, like to yeah. learn about everything and I, else uh, uh, yeah and i would highlight that there is there are loads of um people in ireland now at the minute working with Barnolds, there has been people down in like Tipperary and um, Cork that have been working with Barnolds for years and years they might be kind of looking after their own little area we just try to expand it out i suppose and and get to the greater the greater public if you know what i mean john thank you so much for talking to us it's been really inspiring and can you tell everybody how they can find your project and where they can find you on instagram and the web and everything like that yeah yeah so if you just put in the uh, dead barn project um so i suppose that there's there's a few different projects you'll see you the, we have the the loud project going who's who's run by another rehabber and we have the Galway project and we have the Westmead project and, and a load of other projects throughout the country but the, I suppose the parent project is the Barnowl project um so if you need any help with which advice um uh anything if you're interested in setting up your own project brilliant we'll support you and help you we we really kind of want one in each county so we can kind yeah, of work we'd together love, we'd absolutely love to do that so hopefully you can yeah come, yeah come um, around and maybe you'll bring erin to oh definitely uh, we can yeah, tell or, people we'll that she's going to visit yeah, we'll definitely have a visit um you can find us we have a website set up as well it's been updated at the minute but it's still active um and you can go on there so that, that's the barnout project dot uh, ie or dot com you get there um and you've got like all sorts of information so if you want to make your own boxes we have a full page there that's dedicated to the Barnow trust in the uk so we have full permission to use all their information so they have like 40 50 years of um documentation evidence we tend to on our project keep it hands-on we do study work as we go and we don't do studying and and hands-on as we go it's, it's the other way around for us so we collect the pellets and they go to colleges universities um, so that's just part of our hands-on work as we get there. So yeah. that's the way we kind of approach it. But yeah, it's on. We're on every platform: Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. We just put in the Barnowl project, and you'll see the stuff there. And um, we're only too delighted for people to contact us and ask because there's no question that's uh, too silly. And my own personal mobile number is up there. I have no problem with people ringing me. Okay, that, that's very very good. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Um, is I, I just wanted to ask you: Is there any particularly special moment that you can remember? Um, with the barn owls or even with the peregrine falcons that you'd like to tell um, people about? Well, I suppose the, I got the peregrine falcons. I have two, I suppose there is like the two, two, two species are very close to my heart. The peregrine falcons, I suppose, would have been, you know, just there was one day I remember sitting, I followed this particular pair. I followed several pairs. So I had like nine over six. I had her, her leg number. I remember getting on to um, 
their local ranger to ask about, the, about this particular bird. So I was following her and then I followed another pair and I nicknamed the other pair Bonnie and Clyde because they would be regularly coming back, like more so than the other birds to feed the young. Like, I mean, you know, it was, it was four or five, six times a day and they were very good at their job, should we say. But I can remember sitting there one day watching and um, very often I'd go onto the site where, the, where, where she was and she'd meet me at the gate screaming, they're very aggressive when, when they have young, you know. But I remember one day I had come in and I'd I'd been sitting down and thought she didn't spot me. And I I like I was in a big quarry and I could hear this noise coming and it sounded like a jet. Like never heard it before. And I had been two years studying Perkin Falcons at this stage. But it just out of the blue, I looked up and it was Bonnie coming down in the stoop, which is where she folds her wings in and free falls. Like you're talking about 300 kilometers an hour. And at the last second, she pulled out of it and it made a sound like something I'd never so scary. Like I thought I actually thought like part of the quarry was going to cave, was caving in the noise it was making. So it was like I, I remember going home that evening and I was, uh, you know, kind of. Oh my God. Yeah, it was it was one of those things. It was just wow. like, so, so she unique, was threatening but, you. She was. Yeah, just, yeah, I, she, yeah. She had spotted that I got in and like, I mean, I was still nowhere near the, the nest. Like I was I was like over 500 meters away. But um, some of the, as I said, like Perkin Falcons are all different. Uh, we had another pair that's like in someone's back garden. They're very close, you know. So I suppose that would have been it for the for the Perkin oh, Falcons. Amazing, yeah, it's giving me shivers. I got pecked on the head by an Arctic tern once, and that didn't have that only had a couple of feet of a, and that was yeah, yeah, painful. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> if she was, she could have probably bored a hole straight through your head if she landed on that's, you. That's that's something you're going to remember. See, I suppose <laughs> last year we had like I think the coolest thing ever last year would have been that we we got a phone call last year from um inland fisheries ireland and like i'm always looking if you look at like our facebook page i always try to give put a story behind and tell people exactly what's happening and i don't care to be honest whether it's good or bad like i mean you know we had chicks last year that were born on the site as i told you like first time in 100 years they were dead within a week because a pine martin got up and killed them that's nature um and that was my fault i should have put in you know something there to stop them climbing the tree which we've done since but like i suppose that we had a phone call last year from national parks there yeah national parks wildlife rang me first and said will, you, will i talk to the fisheries um rang the fisheries said, what's the story we're after finding a barn owl out in the middle of loch derg floating um which is astounding because it should be dead at that stage yeah. so the, we made an agreement i basically jumped left work straight away said i'm going to meet you where can i meet you into port tumla picked picked up the owl was left in the shop for me you know in a box <laughs> picked it up and i said like it was just dead i said oh this my god it's dead like you know and um so i was kind of saying to myself that's unfortunately that's another one for you know we collect that we would collect the bodies for the colleges that want them for and i said uh, like i was ringing remember ringing up susan saying like you know oh, my heart this heart breaks like it's a female and time of the year she probably has young and all this stuff and but I put it into the van in the box and, and it was like, it was more or less, it was, I knew it wasn't fully dead, but I said, there's no way it's recovering. But I turned on the heat and put it in the box and next thing I seen movement to the head and it kind of set up a little bit. And it was like, it's legs, it's beak, everything were totally white, which is totally out of uh, coloration is gone. So I said to Susan, I said like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drive to Limerick here. Like I'm going to take a chance and just see if it is any hope here. You're the best person. Cause if, the truth be told, if I went to a vet, um, a lot of vets would say it's that's an exotic animal. That's what they call it, and and they they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's just I know it sounds odd, but that's what mm. happens. Susan, Susan, for the listeners, she's the bat rehabilitation. Yeah, um, yeah, and she's been on the podcast. She's amazing. Yeah, 
yeah. So Susan is Susan is like a falconer. She has some birds of her own. Um, she trains people on birds of prey. Like um, she's involved in an awful lot of stuff like that. She's been involved in rehab for a long, long time. Extremely knowledgeable. And indeed, herself and Bev are given like workshops. Um, and I was privileged last year to be on one of them. Um, on uh, two vets on how to handle and how to intubate these birds and how to look after them. So like they're at the they're at the same level as as as, mm. as these people. They they would often ring up the vet and or the vet would ring them and ask them having this problem. What do I do? And and so they're instructing the vets and stuff on a mm. lot of this stuff. And we have some really good vets. I have to highlight on my project. Um, you've Arc vets and Oran vets in Goa. Um, like extremely good. Martin O'Malley is absolute gentleman. Oh, I've rang Martin hear, yeah. at eleven o'clock at night when he's going to bed to come in for a barn owl that's been injured and. Um, he'll jump up like he's up straight away oh, and he knows so what he's doing. Yeah. So I suppose that yeah, we we managed. The, I managed so the to, so the owl got to you brought her to Susan. Got to, yeah, got to Susan. Susan rang me that evening and said she she had um, done her magic. Basically, uh, had looked it over. Everything was fine. The owl was starting to come around. By that evening, she could tell me that it had young. It had a brood patch. So we were concerned about getting it back. Um, and by the Within 48 hours, she had sent me a video, which you'll see up on her Facebook, of the owl doing all the normal threatening behavior, um, getting it back. And like Susan had given it, like, uh, I don't even know went to the magic potions, but she had mm-hmm. obviously given it fluids and bits and pieces and and um, it had seen a vet, all this stuff. But we had released it and the video of the release is up there. Um, we released that evening on a site um, near its home where we knew there was two... Um, it, it, there would have been two nest sites very close to each other. It's the only area, I think, in the country where barn owls are. It's the only place in England or Ireland that anyone has ever heard of barn owls um, nesting within 200 metres of each other. And it was um, John Lusby in Ireland, or John Lusby in, in Birdwatch, Ireland, that would have uh, gave me this information. So we released the bird there and that was grand and it was really successful. It was like, for me, it was one of the best things ever because we, oh, you just don't get them. Yeah, you mm. just don't get them go back. Um, two weeks later, I got a phone call to tell me there was an owl, which we presumed to be one of her juveniles injured on the same site where we near where we had released her in an old house. We still have that bird at the minute. Um, unfortunately, even though it absolutely looks perfect and everything about it, it's been to see it's with Susan, but it had seen like six different vets. Uh, we can only find a minor, minor thing that sh- shouldn't stop it from going back to the wild, but it just can't. So um, we're, we're working with Parks and Wildlife uh, on that one. Um, well, that's a wonder. That's an amazing success story. Just quickly, what is the brood yeah. patch? Brood patch is just where she's been sitting on eggs. Um, oh, female. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So the, but, yeah. The, the the male in in Barnold's, um, I'm sure there's the odd male that that does a bit of brood, and I've never heard of it. But the female would sit on the eggs, and the male would come back and forth feeding. And then at seven, six, seven weeks, the female would leave because the chicks are hatched. They're able to kind of regulate their own body heat, so the two of them would leave. And they'd, they'd roost off somewhere else because if what seems to be the reason for that is, I suppose, if the, if the male and female are around the chicks, it's it's ingrained in them to beg for food. Um, so they'll stay away. They'll come back in the morning, back in the evening and feed them. Okay. Um, and that's what tends to happen there. So the brood patch would be on the female for a period of time because the feathers would be worn away there yeah. and um, probably takes, I don't know, it could be anything, six, eight weeks to grow back. Oh, so we'd known that she had... Yeah, so like yeah. I suppose that, that, that's the kind of thing. That was one of two barn owls in those circumstances out of maybe 20 that we picked last year that got back. 
Mm. Um, well, that's an amazing say, success story. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's. Thank it's, you so it's, much it's for all your work with the Barnells, yeah. and uh, I better let you get back to your day. Not to worry. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> thank you so much for being a voice for the owls, and we'll put all yeah. the contact details in the show notes, and hopefully, we'd love to see you at the Borough Nature Sanctuary. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll organise a visit. We'll, yeah. we'll go down. You know. Wonderful. So right. thank you, thank you so much, John. Cheers, Mary. Listen, we talk soon. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. Our news this week is that Borough Nature Sanctuary had a successful reopening after COVID. The gift shop is restocked, so pop up for a coffee and a slice of delicious cake from our local baker, Caroline, from the Cook's Treat. We are open for two weeks over the Easter holidays and then revert to weekend openings for a while. Flora, our new 15-week-old Juliana pig, is doing a meet-and-greet daily at around 1pm. It was lovely to see the happy faces again and thank you all for the support. John will be coming with his partner Erin the Owl to talk about the Barn Owls, so keep an eye out on our social media or website for updates.